You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode 273 of the Talking Chop Podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland. It is Sunday evening. January is nearly over. In fact, by the time you listen to this podcast, it's probably going to be February. And joining me to discuss things as often, Scott Coleman is here. Hello, sir. Hey, Brad. Good to be on. Uh, We have a lot of stuff to talk about. Maybe not necessarily direct Braves news, but a lot of good stuff going around the league. And it feels like we're close to having some kind of Braves transaction. We've been so starved for really anything since the early weeks of the off season. And hopefully we are nearing the end and, and have some good stuff to chat about. Yeah, this is a pretty full outline. We will get through all of it, of course. And before we dive in here, I will remind you to, to subscribe to the podcast and check out the previous episodes. Eric and I talked twice at the end of last week in short fashion and then longer fashion for episode number two of those. But check those out. Subscribe, tell your friends and all of that. Uh, before we get to some brave specific stuff, there is some widespread reporting out there on baseball in general and the format in which the season is going to be played. Um, I will say this at the very top. It's important to point this out. Uh, Barring a change of some kind, and that means an active decision by someone or some party, at this point in time, baseball is on schedule to be played with opening day happening April 1st. So unless the government shuts it down or something goes crazy, a strike, that kind of thing, all things are on schedule to open up with opening day on April 1st. Now, with that out of the way, there's been talk about proposals that were proposed and declined, and now there's another one out there. Earlier this week, um, the Players Association reportedly declined a proposal from baseball that essentially asked for the players to give give up expanded playoffs, have the expanded playoffs that that the teams want that I hate. Um, That's just an aside. Um, In exchange, primarily for the Universal DH, and the players said no to that, um, and I would say rightfully so, because the players understand that everyone wants the universal DH, and that's not like a bargaining chip for the league, which people haven't understood yet. But that's that's my read on this, is that MLB wants to sell this big bargaining chip of, of, of universal DH, even though the teams want it as well, which makes it a little bit kind of funny to see that all transpire. So we'll stop there. That was proposal number one this week, Scott. What is your reaction to that one before we dive into uh, the one that's currently on the table? So to me, it's pretty obvious that the league and ownership does not want the baseball season to proceed as normal. And the good news is, is they really don't have, at least from what everything that's been said, the league really doesn't have, and ownership doesn't really have any authority to, uh, shut down the season. As you said, it would require a government entity of some kind 
or, or some other outside factor to shut it down. Uh, there was also the report earlier in the week about uh, the Arizona Fall League, which is not a direct subsidy of Major League Baseball, but or I'm sorry, the Arizona Spring Training Cactus League, not, not Fall League Cactus League, um, wanting to postpone the start of spring training. Obviously, that's not where the Braves do their training in, in March, but um, it is where half the league goes. So it is obvious, based on what's been out there today, with this proposal to push back the start of baseball a month and the Cactus League and, and all of these, that owners want to push back the start of the year. Now, who knows if that's actually going to happen? Um, we'll, we'll see. But ultimately, I think that's probably my main takeaway is that uh, the league does not want to start on time for a multitude of reasons. Yeah, it seems that way. Uh, Jeff Passan said that um, very, very clearly. I'm, I'm going to quote him here. Your friend, Jeff Passan of ESPN. My buddy. Um, he says, the, the league clear, clearly wants a delay. So do, many front, so do many front office officials and other workers, but the ball is in the players' hands, end quote. So if he's saying that, it's not an accident. That means the league does not want to start spring training on time, if nothing else. So that's up in the air. That could still happen. Um I'm on record as saying that spring training delayed would not be the worst thing in the world to me. I wouldn't be bothered by that, but I do want a f relatively full baseball season and I want uh, expanded playoffs to not happen. That, that last thing is probably not going to happen. I mean, that ship is probably sailed at this point. I hate expanded playoffs with a fire. Um, I really do just disdain the idea of expanded playoffs, but we will talk about the proposal now that's on the table. It was reported first by Tim Brown of Yahoo today on Sunday. But basically, baseball proposed a schedule of 154 games, so 154 in comparison to 162 that normally is out there, to the union. It includes full pay, uh, but the season being delayed by a month and then extended by about a week. Buster only reported that it, the spring training would be, would be pushed back to March 22nd for spring training, regular season April 28th, and the playoffs going into November. Uh, Joel Sherman, second in that report by Tim Brown, and he added that the Universal DH is part of the offer that the baseball side made and that the union had a player call on Saturday to discuss all of this. So as we record this Sunday night, nothing has happened so far. But how do you feel about this proposal? Because it's kind of a regular season. It's pretty pretty on brand here. The, the players may not say yes to this. But if that actually happened, short of the Universal DH, you know, being, I guess it's a part of it. That's That's a nice thing. Expanded playoffs, all that. Uh, where do you stand on that proposal if the yeah. if the players happen to say yes to it? Yeah, it's funny that owners view expanded playoffs, which I know you are vehemently against. Ooh. I can probably go, I don't want to say either way. I, I'm with you. I don't think a team that wins 100 games should have to basically coin flip against a team that won 78 games. I think that's just kind of ridiculous, especially in a sport like baseball where it's, it's so random. Um you know, as far as the season goes, if they do want to push back the start a little bit, I, I get it, right? Like COVID numbers, especially in Arizona, are horrible. I yep. mean, I think last week Arizona had the highest rate of positive COVID cases in the entire world. Um, that is not good. And you talk about bringing in thousands of, of players and baseball front office types. And then, of course, uh, the fan aspect and everything. Like, I get it, right? The, this is not the whole COVID thing isn't exactly going away with a snap of a finger. So I get why they want to push this back. Um, but the, the bargaining of, well, we're going to, you know, expand playoffs to make money in exchange for a DH, which everybody wants players want it. Uh, front offices would be fine with it. I would assume most fans are in favor of it. Um, it's really kind of silly. Again, I know it's a game and it's negotiations and, 
and things are going to get ugly as they they tend to do with with the MLBPA and ownership. But um, yeah, I guess we'll see. I think if if you're looking for a a positive outlook on it, it probably helps the Braves more than maybe any other team in baseball because of Mike Soroka and. Most people figured he would be ready at some point in the spring, but if it means games are going to be pushed back a month, maybe it helps the Braves. We know how competitive the National League East is going to be, and he's, of course, a very big part of the puzzle. So I at least wanted to mention that aspect of, uh, you know, it would impact teams differently, but the Braves would certainly be on the better end of it because presumably they would have Soroka for the full year instead of potentially missing a couple of weeks. That would help to be sure. And I'm glad you mentioned the COVID numbers. That That is a factor for sure in real life, especially. And I would be totally fine if they push back the season. I will just say out loud that uh, that's not the reason for it's not a health. Re- it's not a health reason that, that baseball doesn't want to play. doesn't want to play, play games. That's kind of what I'll say about that. Um, they can might spin it that way, but they, they pushed to play last. They played last season. Yeah, they played last season. That's all, that's all I'll say for now. Um, and it's really a money thing for the baseball side. It's not a health issue. If there was a health issue, I would understand. But that's not the reason why, yeah. they, put, why they want to push back. Um, just want to clarify that. It's, it's something <laughs> that people want to definitely say out loud. Like I get that the COVID cases do matter in this in this case because it limits fans and it limits spring training especially. You won't be able to have normal spring training and all of that stuff. And that's going to be a consideration throughout the season. But it's not, a, it's not the health side is not why they're delaying. No, It's just weird. The whole, the, whole, the whole discussion is very strange because that's not really the health side, although the health side makes a big part of it. And you could certainly argue that the health side is what should be driving this, but that's mm-hmm. not, that's, that's, that's kind of out the window at this point for better yeah. or worse. So, well, and if you're, you know, if you're an owner and again, that's a very real part of it, but if you're thinking about selling tickets and of course in, in some leagues currently uh, tickets are being sold, the NFL, NHL, I, I believe you could tell me better on the NBA. I don't believe I've seen fans at NBA there are, games. There are, there are some. There are some. Hmm. Uh, it's not. It's a little bit less because it's inside. And baseball, by the way, they're going to sell tickets. Oh, sure. Like yeah. last year, they didn't sell tickets at all season long. That was a decision that they made. I would bet uh, handsomely that teams hmm. will be selling tickets this year on some level. Um, yeah. And, and if you're an owner and you're wanting to sell tickets, and why wouldn't you? It's a business. Uh, I think that's why it appeals to them to push things back. Presumably, most models show that things will get better as time passes. You have lower rates, uh, COVID rates. You have the vaccine continues to be rolled out, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you, it's not any real surprise why owners would prefer that it starts at the end of March <laughs> or at the end of April, rather. Um, and, and, you know, push back spring training. You could presumably have more people to see spring training games and all that good stuff. But Ultimately, again, as as you said, and as some of these national writers have said, it's really up to the players. And it would be interesting to know how those player calls go and how players feel about it. They're the ones who are going to be traveling across the country in, in airplanes and tight quarters and sharing a locker room with 40 or 50 others. Right. Um, living out of hotels. It, it, they are a very real. They're humans. Right. We forget they're humans and they have families and concerns of their own and they are not robots. So. It will be fascinating to see where this goes over the next couple of weeks. For sure. And uh, obviously our schedule matters uh, when it comes to this schedule of baseball because we're not going to go into full season preview mode in like a week the way that we would normally if the season will huh. start in a week. So yeah. uh, we will see how that all goes on this podcast. That's a very small concern, of course, but we will see how this all goes in the next few days. It does feel like there's some momentum here for better or worse on a deal of some kind or if they don't come to a deal at all. Again, the default here, if there is no deal, is baseball as normal. So, again, barring a strike or a lockout, if nothing else happens, if they argue on this and no deal is hatched, 
no deal does not mean no baseball. No deal means regular baseball on schedule and, you know, obviously some alterations with fans and all that stuff, but it's a very weird place that we're in at the end of January. You know, by Monday, you might be hearing that this is all done. I wouldn't, I wouldn't make on that. It's certainly possible that it's all settled. It's all settled by then. But for now, January 31st in the evening, there is a lot of uncertainty. Um, before we go into Brave stuff, I just will say this. Free agency kind of ramped up this week overall. So it finally felt like the uh, the, the stove was hot, as they say. Um, there are like 10 teams that are not spending any money at all right now, like which is even more than usual. Until this week, the entire NL Central had done quite literally nothing the entire offseason which is wild. I think the biggest move that anybody had done was like a $3 million signing in the entire NL Central until this week. Yeah. That's insane. But mm-hmm. it is kind of ramping up a little bit here. And, you know, spring training, by the way, I haven't said it yet out loud, but spring training is supposed to start like two and a half weeks from now. That's a real thing. Yeah, it is. Uh, you're right. It is a very real thing. It feels like it's kind of snuck up on us a little bit here. Um it is worth saying that back, you know, for years and years and years, it was December. Everybody wanted to be on their new team by the beginning of the new year. Generally, front offices closed for Christmas and the the New Year's holidays. Um, you know, it was it was said that, and it's not exclusive this year, but in the last couple of years, we've seen this trend of usually there's a little bit of early activity, guys who want to sign for whatever reason early on. But really, January has become the new December, and I know we are in the very final literal hours of January. And Hey, most, most of the top 50 uh, free agents have found homes. We've seen some trades. We've seen some action. There's still players out there, which is, I guess for what the Braves need is probably a good sign. But um, yes, it was great to see some kind of movement, even if it wasn't directly related to the Braves. It was not the Braves and we'll have much more on that momentarily, but after a quick break to hear from our sponsors, we'll dive into what happened and what didn't happen in the last few days. All right, Scott, I'm going to start with the big guns, and that is the fact that the Braves made three, count them three, minor league deal signings this week. Mm. Get excited, folks. Um, I will say, uh, all three of these guys are major leaguers, which is a somewhat encouraging thing to say out loud. And I promise we're going to touch on Nolan Arenado and Jock Peterson and Jose Ramirez and all that stuff in a moment. But we'll get get the stuff out of the way that actually happened. (laughs) So the Braves signed Carl Edwards Jr., relief pitcher. They signed Pablo Sandoval, old friend who was on the playoff roster, never forget. And then uh, an infielder named, I believe it's A-Ray Adrianza, who was on the Twins the last four years. Again, all four of these, all three of these guys are major league caliber players in theory. Carl Edwards Jr. is probably the biggest name. I mean, obviously Sandoval's the most famous guy, but mm-hmm. Edwards was in Seattle last year, only pitched five times. He's been good in his career. He was terrible in 2019, so he kind of fell off the radar. But he was, he was on the Cubs when they won the championship. Um, they, you know, he's a high-profile relief arm. Was very good at one point. Strikeout guy. He's only 29, so probably a more of a reclamation project than anything else. But in the bullpen, guys like this kind of come and go. To, so if, if they found something here, he might be really interesting. Is kind of where I, put, I, where I would put that. Uh, absolutely. He's Edwards is a guy who, of course, as you said, with the Cubs uh, was kind of effectively wild. He has huge strikeout numbers, but also a lot of walks. Um, but as we've seen, sometimes guys like Tyler Matzik, who have a history of being successful at various points, um, you take a chance. And, and I'm not saying that Carl Edwards is going to be Tyler Matzik by any means, but he, <laughs> he has some pedigree. And it's, you know, it's essentially a hundred thousand dollar invitation to spring training. And if he makes the big league roster, I, I don't know if Edwards' uh, contract has been set out, but he's probably going to earn a million to two million dollars, right? So it's it's low money, 
it's a worthwhile gamble. Um, he is somebody who, again, it, you take a chance on him, right? There's no guarantee if he comes to spring training and he, you know, he can't, he can't throw a strike or he's just getting smacked around. You cut loose, you shake hands and you say, thanks, you know, good luck somewhere else. Um, and, and then Sandoval, I think, especially has a chance. He seemed to have stepped, uh, obviously has some fans in the front office because they signed him last year. And then of course, brought him back this week. Um, I, I believe if he's on the big league roster, he makes like a million dollars guaranteed and then has some performance bonuses for, for at bats and all that. But, um, and, and then with Adrianza, I, I think he's kind of going to be in the, a Danny Hedge for Rhea mold, a uh, shortstop, a guy who can kind of play around a little bit, probably play short if Dansby's out, move around. Um, again, these are not high profile, sexy signings by any means, but if you're talking about the third, fourth and fifth guy off your bench, uh, this is the time of year to add some depth. There might be a role for Adrianza. There's usually a role for someone in that mold. They also have Jack Mayfield, who they have on the 40-man right now, who they acquired in a similar depth addition kind of move. Um, you know, it was it was, it was was Hetch before. You know, people forget this. It, Charlie Culberson was basically supposed to be that guy. I know he hit a little bit at the beginning of his Braves tenure, but he was really acquired to be that kind of player that just plays everywhere and is your last guy on the bench, basically. Um, Adriana... Adrianza was in the majors the last six, seven years. So this is not like an absolute nothing either. None of these are exciting. I get that. Sandoval could be like a platoon DH option potentially if they found something there. He can't really play the field anymore necessarily. But, you know, if you had to use him at third, I guess you maybe could for a little bit. I don't know. It would be, kind of, be pretty ugly, but you could yeah. if you had to. So three depth pieces. If one of these guys makes the team, that's probably a success out of the three. And it could be that, all, honestly, there is a world in which all three of these guys make the team. I would bet oh. against that, especially with both Sandoval and Andreanza, but that's possible. Yep, yeah, especially if they have expanded rosters, which seems kind of obvious to if, me. In this, if, if it's you know, 28 like, still, then yeah. I mean, 28 makes it even easier, but at 26, yeah. you, still got another, you still got another name or two out there. Yeah, and again, for a million dollars, as you said, all these guys have some kind of pedigree. Of course, Pablo Sandoval is not the same guy he was six, eight years ago, but... You want guys who, if they have to step in for a couple days, are not going to completely embarrass you. And who knows? Maybe they strike gold. There's nothing to say. These guys couldn't uh, find some success with a new front office, whatever it is. Um, but, yeah, you, you get some depth in the team. You add some guys for spring training, and, and you see what the roster does. I, uh, I'm not sure if this happened, but if I had been running the Braves PR department, I would have I would have done the press release for Sandoval with Braves signed two-time All-Star, three-time champion, and, <laughs> and World, Ser- World Series MVP, Pablo Sandoval. That's right. Those um, veteran presence, they are in high demand this time of year. Listen, th- those are all real all real things. Two-time All-Star, World, World yeah. Series MVP, and three-time champ, Pablo Sandoval. So yep. that all happened. Okay, moving on from that, that's out of the way. Now we get into the uh, stuff that happened, and then, like you said before, it was stuff that did not happen for the Braves, but it definitely impacts the Braves. So there was a rumor early in the week that the Braves were checking in on Nolan Arenado from the Rockies, a high-powered third baseman. Uh, it heated up a little bit, and then within half a day, maybe a full day, he was traded to the Cardinals. So no real fallout there, just the Braves were, I guess, kind of in that race, according to a couple reports, and then that um, went away. That was kind of a fascinating deal from a baseball perspective because it was like a base, uh, basketball-style st- uh, trade where you get in like the – you're paying a third of the salary, kind of st- – oh, I guess maybe a quarter of the salary. And uh, just a lot of interesting machinations mm-hmm. there. But uh, long story short, he's on the Cardinals now, not the Braves. Yeah. I wasn't ever really sure what to make of that report, rumor, whatever it want to – you know, whatever you want to call it. Because, again, at this point in the offseason, I would imagine the Braves have – 
quote unquote, checked in on probably 100 players, right, in some varying form or fashion. So uh, Arenado is a very, very, very accomplished player. If you're telling me that we'd be having a different conversation, he was joining the Braves. Of course, it would be a big addition. It'd be very exciting. Um, I do think he is probably somebody who is past his peak a little bit. He's 30 years old. Uh, historically, defense declines later on in careers. He was so, so good. Still is good. He was very good defensively last year. Um, but I, I think he's someone who is probably past his peak a little bit. He has pretty drastic, as almost everybody who has ever played at Coors Field, uh, has some pretty drastic splits. I know it's it's always kind of a case-by-case basis on how guys fare when they're not traveling in and out of Coors and Denver in the high altitude all the time. But um, because that contract is so, so large, I believe it ends up being six years and $190 million because of this extra year that was kicked in. Six years and $190 million is a lot of money and, frankly, a lot of years to guarantee to a guy who is 30 years old and you just don't know how he's going to look. So I say that if, if Arenado was coming to the Braves, maybe I'd feel a little bit differently. But ultimately, I, I never really thought it was going to happen, but uh, I wasn't sure what your takeaway was. Pretty similar. I think that it's a very interesting case because at the moment he's worth what he's paid, um, but by the end – Everyone knows that it's likely that it won't. He won't be worth what he's paid. So it's kind of an all-in move for whoever does it. Obviously, fifty million dollars going to help you eat some of the salary is helpful. But even with that, he's making a lot of money, um, and he's really good still now. And thirty is not over the hill. But when your deal t- carries you into your thirty-five, thirty-six, it gets a little bit scary at the end. Like I, I would think, of like you know, pool holes is a recent example of a deal that went so long for so much money that by the end. It's pretty ugly, and Pujols yep. was even better than Arenado. Um, granted, Arenado was a, probably a better athlete and you know better mover on his feet and all that stuff. But I think it would have been very, very helpful for the Braves to trade for Arenado for this season, next season, with the window wide open to make their World Series push, mm-hmm. and we would have had a conversation three years from now about how ugly that contract was. Yeah, both can be true, by the way. Um, and, and sometimes you have to make that move, right? Right. Like sometimes, if if you want to win a World Series, the Dodgers, in order to keep Mookie Betts, just gave him what was it, a twelve-year deal, ten-year deal, something like that. Like sometimes you have to eat something on the back end in order to be very good in the interim. So I, I you know, it, considering who the GM of the Atlanta Braves is currently <laughs> and his hesitancy to do anything other than give Will Smith a four-year contract. Um, <laughs> three, I, three I just, year contract, three year contract, three with an option, excuse yes. me, three with an option. Um, yeah, I, I, I digress, but yes, it, I, I, I guess I never really kind of like the JT real Muto deal. Uh, I never really thought it was going to happen. And as you said, it did come together very quickly. It seems like the Cardinals and Rockies had been talking about it for a little while, but I guess I, I never quite had the thought of, Ooh, I time to go order my, uh, Nolan Arenado <laughs> jersey off of fanatics anytime soon. No. And I'm with you. I think our party line on this podcast has been until Anthopolis does and move like this, we assume that he won't do it um, on some level. And I think they will at some point do something, but Arenado would have been a heck of an investment like to kind of have your first massive move be. That'd have been a big one to be sure. So he's really good. He would have helped the team, but uh, it almost didn't go on long enough to actually formulate. If that, had, if that, if he was still not traded at this point in time, we, we probably would have opened the podcast with Arenado talk. I would imagine something like that. Um, yeah. But it happened, so cross him off. The other guys were less interest, less high profile, we'll say, but also pretty natural potential Braves targets, and they were Jock Peterson 
who signed with the Cubs, and Eddie Rosario, who signed with the Indians. Both those guys have been linked, not necessarily formally like with reporting, but just kind of common sense stuff with the Braves. Peterson um, was a prominent guy we've discussed in the past. He has a big platoon split. He was not great this year, but had a good playoffs. Um, definitely a lefty uh, who does not like to hit lefties. Um, but part of the decision reportedly from Jeff Passan, again, your friend, um, was that he wants to play every day and the Cubs are going to let him do that, which the Braves may not have wanted to do um, because he's not really an everyday player with his platoon split. But still, one year $7 million for Peterson is pretty good value. And then Rosario got actually more, got one year $8 million. And he isn't anything special either, but those were two of the guys that were like, all right, if the Braves do this, it won't be a disaster in left field. And now they're both gone. So I don't know. Yeah. Well, and they're, as you said, they're both of the one-year variety. That's something Anthopolis has actively targeted, right? And who knows what their internal opinions on Peterson and Rosario are, but two guys who have been very productive over the last couple of years. They're not stars, right? They're not anywhere near the Arenado or Jose Ramirez stratosphere, but um, guys who have been on good teams and have a lot of power and can play a corner outfield well, which is, of course, important in this age where defense is at a premium, so... Um, yeah, who knows? I, I would imagine that the Braves had, again, you talk about this point in the offseason, they probably touched base with every agent in baseball in some form or fashion. Um, you know, if Jock Peterson wants to play every single day, try to build his value, I, I don't fault him for that. There was a report that he turned down more money from another team. I think it was maybe the White Sox because of the opportunity to play in Chicago, uh, or at least the other side of Chicago because of the playing time. So, um, who knows? Yeah, it was, it was, uh, I don't know if, if either of those guys would have ended up on the Braves, it would not have come as a surprise, but you would sure hope that Anthopolis is working on something a little bit bigger uh, and he won't regret letting those guys pass for one year deals. Yeah. Particularly with Peterson, I'm not sure that his optimal usage, in fact, I'm confident that's probably not the case, but I, you know, I think if you had given him one year and 8 million and said, all right, jock, we're going to let you play every day unless you prove you can't. I wouldn't have objected to that. I think that's a pretty good value for him. Uh, yeah. I think he's going to be, he probably outperforms that contract. Uh, if you go by his track record, I know he was kind of bad this year and the small sample size of the regular season, but before that he was very good with the Dodgers and actually hitting the playoffs as well. That's a great value. I mean, even if you don't want to play him every day necessarily, he's still on the side of the platoon where you're playing more, more times than not. So maybe you can live with him hitting against left-handers. You like bury him in the lineup a little bit. I would have been okay if the Braves signed him to like one year, $10 million and just said, all right, Jock, you're our left fielder. That would not have bothered me much. I'm not sure. Again, I think ideally our dream platoon that we talked about forever was, uh, was Peterson and Adam Duvall. If they were going to do that, they could have done that still. Like (laughs) they could have gone out and and done that, but it seemed like Peterson wanted to play every day. But even, you know, even with that said, like I would have been okay to just give him that money and say, all right, play every day. And if you, if he's so bad that you got, you got to pull him against lefties and you do that, but I don't know. We'll see how they feel. Obviously, they didn't love Peterson, or they probably would have signed him. Well, and I think with Peterson and Rosario, you would have had to add another bat in addition to those guys, right? Yeah. Say you signed Jock to a one-year $10 million deal, as you said, even and even more so than the Adam Duvall platoon partner. Like, I think then you probably have to add a third baseman because, I, again, you look at this, roster, this lineup, rather, and, you know, if you thought it was top-heavy last year— there's no Marcelo Zuna on this roster and there's, there's still no everyday left fielder unless Jock Peterson suddenly starts to hit left-handed pitching really well. Um, and then Eddie, Eddie Rosario is a high power, but I mean, I think his career on base percentage is like 310. I'm not sure you necessarily want that in the middle of your order. 
et cetera, et cetera. It's all moot, right? Because the Braves didn't do it, but um, we will see. I, I guess the um, I guess the silver lining is there are still options out there, even as we get to this you know, beginning of February. It's not as if there is nobody out there, but the uh, the options are getting slim, Brad. That is for sure. Yeah, and obviously the DH conversation that we that we've had a million times is still in play. Uh, we'll get we'll get back to that momentarily when we talk about who's still on the market, but that's still a factor too because it looks like, if you ask me, given the reporting, if so, if a deal happens that changes the format of the season, dating back to our previous conversation at the beginning of this podcast, it's probably going to include the universal DH. Now, there may not be a deal again, and the default is to just kind of roll on as, as what it is now. But if there's a deal. It probably has the DH in it, which means now you have to fill two slots for the Braves. Like, there's pros and cons. Like, yes, if you have the DH, you can sign Marcelo Zuno, you can sign Nelson Cruz. But if you don't get one of those guys, now you have two gaping holes. You have a gaping hole at DH and a gaping hole in left field. Whereas right now, you have a gaping hole in left field. And yeah, you may not, you may not love Austin Riley, but like, he, you can get by with that. But you, you, everyone agrees they have a gaping hole in left field right now. It, it, it becomes two if you have a DH suddenly. So uh, we'll see. Pros and cons. Anyway, um, there are two guys who the Braves were tied to, at least loosely, this week with rumors. The bigger name, it almost wasn't a rumor. In fact, I'm not sure it is a rumor. But some people, I would say they're not mainstream sources, have floated the idea of Jose Ramirez being an active trade target for the Braves. I will again stress that I have not seen anyone who I would describe as a mainstream source reporting that but it's out there at least in rumblings we got asked about it a lot this week he's awesome from the indians third baseman uh Mm -hmm. probably a top 15 ish player in the league he's that good and also under control for three more seasons so that's the kind of guy that you would pay the farm for because he's an awesome player and he's not expensive and he's under control but the indians know that and they're not going to give him away so (laughs) uh thoughts on jose ramirez because it's it's gonna it's gonna cost a lot that's for sure if they do it i yeah, I mean, he is, I think even top 15 might be conservative for him. I mean, I was trying 10, to be conservative, I mean, but yeah, I think yeah, more, yeah. more like eight to 10. And if you, if, if, unless you'd think that his one down season, I think it was 2019, he mm-hmm. wasn't quite as good, but man, he's been awesome. Yeah, he's, he's, you know, a legitimate MVP caliber player. And as you said, not only is he good, it's not like he's really good, but he's owed like $20 million the next couple of years. And you have to worry about that a little bit. I mean, he's owed like $6 million the next three years. Um, so he has an insane contract. He is very, very good. Um, I, I was hopeful that he, he, well, he fits every team in baseball. That's how good he is, but he's a third baseman. He could, he could potentially fit in Atlanta. I was hopeful that once they traded Francisco Lindor, that the Indians were going to tear it down to the studs and try to rebuild. However, by signing Eddie Rosario and, uh, Cesar Hernandez this past week, it doesn't seem like they're going to go all the way down to the ground. Um, and Lindor was only signed for one year and they didn't expect to be able to resign him, um, because of all those reasons. I just, I would love it. I mean, dude, I, <laughs> we will do a very, very, very excited emergency podcast if the Braves somehow got yes. Jose Ramirez, but, um, I, I just don't think it's going to happen. I don't either. And I will, I alluded to it a second ago, but if they, if they pull that off and that's a huge giant, you know, flashing if, if they do that, it is going to cost them a lot, and I, I am ready for the reaction from some corners of the fan base about how much they give up. Because, and again, this is probably not going to happen, but it would be a haul unlike you might be thinking. Because he's not as famous as some of the guys who are as good as he is. Like, he's probably the least famous top 10 player in the league. 
Yeah. Yeah. So that's part of it. And part of it is that people don't ever want to give up the prospects, but maybe they could hang on to Pache. Maybe, <laughs> but it would be a lot, man. They give up a lot. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. I'm not going to throw out names, but it would be a heck of a package <laughs> if they actually traded for Jose Ramirez. So prepare for that too, if it happens. But yeah, I agree. If they do that, you and I are, you and I, Eric, or you and Eric, or whoever it's going to be on this podcast, will be uh, <laughs> celebrating because the Braves probably become, I'm not sure if they become the favorite because the Dodgers and Padres are just so loaded right now, but they certainly become like an yeah. absolute no-brainer, no brainer, NL East favorite if they get Jose Ramirez. And mm-hmm. they, they go into the tier with the Dodgers and Padres on paper if they do that. So, yeah, yeah. Right I now, know. right now they're not. I, I know, I know Braves fans would not like to hear that, but if you look at everyone who evaluates baseball across the landscape, that's not a homer, not a local person. Everyone's got the Dodgers and Padres ahead of the Braves right now. And with good reason. They, they, their rosters are better than the Braves at this moment in time. So. Yep. Yeah. And we'll see. And again, it, the good news is there are still options. They're still, yeah. Long <laughs> depending way on when spring training starts, uh, anywhere from three weeks into eight weeks until spring training begins. But uh, yeah, they, they need to add. I, I still think, I don't know how you feel about this, what your read is, but I, I still think they were a game away from the World Series. I mean, they I they, such... they literally led 3-1 in the NLCS. Yes, like... yes truly. And, and went, uh, quick math, I think they started the playoffs 10-1, 8-1, and, one, yep. eight and one, something like that. I'm, uh, you know, Something in one, yeah. I have such a hard time thinking they're not going to make a big move. We could be wrong. Maybe there's something going on behind the scenes that we don't know about financially or, or whatever. But um, I would be very, very, very surprised if a move of significant means is not made in the next couple of days, weeks, whatever it is. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to keep saying that, but we've been saying it the whole time. I, I think I agree. I mean, I'm not sure if it's going to be Jose Ramirez on that level of move, but they, no. they're going to do no. something. And we'll end the podcast talking about who's left on the market. Yeah, it feels like they're going to do something. They kind of have to in order to maintain their status as NL East favorite, you know, NLCS favorite, all that stuff. Um, Last guy that the Braves were linked to this week, a pretty surprising yet very intriguing name, I would say. Um, John Hammond reported the Braves kicked the tires, that's the quote, on Trey Mancini of the Orioles. He sat out last season because he was diagnosed with colon cancer and had chemotherapy. Um, He is playing to play this season. All signs to point to him being healthy, which is great. Just step away from baseball. It's great to have that guy back and be healthy and uh, seemingly be cleared of his colon cancer. Um, baseball-wise, he was awesome in 2019, his last season. He hit 35 homers, um, slugged over 500. Defensively, he's pretty bad in the outfield. He is an outfielder, so maybe you could play him on left, but he's probably a DH if you were being honest with each other. But he's owed very little money. He's owed less than 5 million for this season coming up and still arbitration eligible for 2022. So two years of control and pretty cheap. Like a guy who's not like a prominent name because he plays in Baltimore, but man, if you got 2019 Trey Mancini, he'd be, I'm not sure he's like a superstar, but he's like a fringe star level player. He's really good. Yeah. I mean, again, the defense thing is the big question. He is basically a, I mean, I guess you can put, I mean, you could technically put anybody in like left field and just kind of pray that nothing gets hit at him. But I don't, um, I, don't I don't know this to be sure. I don't, I don't know, know this to be the case. But do you think he's better or worse than Ozuna in left? Oh. I, I I really don't know. All, all I know is the numbers. I'm not claiming to have seen Trey Martini play a ton of baseball, but he's he's maybe as bad or worse than Ozuna. Just keep just as a as a broad example of his defense. That's a good comparison that mm-hmm. we have. I'm not sure he's better than Ozuna in left field. So I would guess that. 
um, because of the shoulder surgery that Ozuna had, I would imagine Mancini's a significantly better arm. Yeah, but in terms yeah, of range, everyone, yeah, right, everyone, literally everyone everybody. Yeah, but in terms of range, it's probably comparable. Maybe Ozuna by a nose, but um, that tells but you. If, <laughs> if you are going to have right, yeah, if you are going to have a DH, Mancini is a very good player to target. Right, um, he has some uh, first base experience as well, so. Again, if Freddie, if Freddie Freeman gets hurt, the Braves have bigger issues, but you would like to have a competent first baseman on as a backup. But, um, you know, Mancini, his batted ball profile is really good. He hits the ball hard, um, uh, good on base percentage. He plays it with Baltimore and Camden Yards, which is a smaller park, but he was actually better on the road in 2019 than he was at home, which was encouraging. Um, so, yeah, I, I think he is someone who makes a lot of sense if there is going to be a DH. And I think most people think there will be in some fashion. It just makes sense given the state of everything. Um, he, he's kind of a player who it seems like the Braves' front office would target based on the last couple of years. But um, the other obvious uh, consideration is his health, right? And uh, colon cancer is absolutely not a laughing matter. That is a very, very serious diagnosis. He is, of course, cancer-free at the moment. Um, you would assume he has said that he wants to play in 2021, and you would assume that his doctors would clear him to play, but that is a very real consideration as well. We obviously are not privy to that information, but um, if he is able to play and it seems like he's going to be available uh, from Baltimore, who have absolutely no chance of competing for the next couple of years, um, if he is available, he is somebody who, I don't want to say he's like a poor man's Marcelo Zuna, but I think if you don't necessarily want to give Marcelo Zuna a four-year contract for $80 million. I think Mancini is kind of in that mold of player, and then you could presumably add another piece because instead of paying $20 million for Ozuna, you're paying just under $5 million for Mancini. Yeah, I mean, he is basically has three full-time seasons in the majors, uh, and he has 86 home runs, and he has a 116 WRC plus in their three seasons combined. You know, 2019 was by far his best season. Um, I'm not sure you can bank on that level of production, but if you just go by his career numbers, he'd be a, uh, a strongly above average bat who can play for you in the outfield. Yeah, he's probably bad out there. But if you, again, if you're playing him next to Pache and Acuna, life is easier. That's the same argument that I'll make for Ozuna and have made for Ozuna. If you had to do it, I would still do it because you can hide him and you cannot literally draw up a better pairing of outfielders to put with that guy than Pache and, uh, Pache and, and Acuna. So, yeah, I don't know. We'll see what happens, but uh, I'm intrigued by Mancini. I'm not saying it's going to happen. There was really that just that one report about it, and I'm not sure what Baltimore's asking price would be, but Baltimore is still in, in the rebuild mode where they're not winning anything right now, and if they, if they if you gave them enough of an offer, they should be willing to listen. I'm not sure if they will, but they should be willing to. Yeah. No, he's, he's someone who makes sense, right? And, and again, we keep talking about all these players who have signed and, and certainly the list is shrinking by the day, like literally by the day, it seems like we're, we're at about one good player per day signing or being traded at this rate right now. But, um, Mancini is someone who I like whenever I saw that, I, once you dig in a little bit, there's a lot to like there. And again, I'm sure they have touched base with every team in the league in some capacity and who knows what they'll end up doing. But if, if he is traded, I guess he is kind of a player that Anthopolis likes and would target, especially if there is, the benefit of the DH. I mean, he's cheap, so that's mm -hmm. uh, priority number hey, one for Liberty yep. for Liberty Media. And I, I, we at some point when we don't have anything else to talk about, you and I will do the thirty minutes on Anthopolis. 
because I, I know you are uh, not thrilled Ooh. with Anthopolis right now. We're going to save that for later because we, we're pretty deep into the podcast here. Uh, my only my only thing on that would be I, I will always default to just not knowing because of the ownership group and sure. the fact that he works for a faceless corporation. I just I, I it's hard. It's so hard to figure out once you have sourcing how all of this works. I think you, I know you know that as well, but people always ask us like, all right, what's the race payroll going to be or what are they going to do? Why aren't they doing something? And it's like, well, it's always possible that they just don't have money and by, don't have money. They obviously have money, but Anthopolis has a budget that he has given. Like it's not public information, but he's got an, he knows what he's got, what he has to spend. So yeah. uh, we'll see is my thought on almost all of this stuff. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and we're going to be angry if they don't ever, if they don't do anything by, by the end of this whole thing and they roll into the season with Ender and Ciarte in left field, we're going to be angry on this podcast. I'll tell you that right now. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, yeah, just a lot of uncertainty. Last thing before we check out the list of guys who are still available is that Darren O'Day is officially gone. He was already gone, but he signed with the New York Yankees this week, a one-year deal with a mutual option for O'Day. He got less money than the Braves declined on his club option. So that's a small win for Atlanta and that they made the right decision on that, it appears, to not pick it up, uh, at least when compared to the market. The market dictated that he got less than that. So um, I guess that's a win if you want to say that. Although hmm. they, they, they did have to buy him out, so it was a half-million-dollar buyout. He was pretty good last season, but he's old and he's kind of a specialist, so yeah. no harm yeah. done there. And uh, we'll see how he, how he looks in the Yankees. So that was a transaction that involved the Braves kind of, but he was, he was probably not going to come back anyways. So, yeah, yeah. Now I, I saw it. I was like, Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. What exactly. else is going on? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's like, all right, farewell, Darren. You were uh, a part of the Braves for a minute and uh, he was fine. Honestly, he, he pitched fine. Uh, a couple of playoff, at least one playoff batting where he was not very good, but his numbers were pretty good last year. He's kind of hurt by the three batter minimum. He's one of those guys. that's like pretty clearly a uh, right-handed only reliever in the modern day and you can't be that right now in a lot of ways so and at his age and he has the injury history i mean there's there's some restrictions there and again we'll see what else they do but if they want to take the three million dollars and put it elsewhere towards the bat i think it's probably money well spent yeah there there is a distinct chance that carl edwards is better than darren o'day in 2021 i'm not saying that's going to happen but that's that's possible I, I, I think I would probably put it pretty close to like 50 50. So yeah, that's, that's a great point. There so you go. Uh, it's not, it's not a one, it's not a one-to-one -one thing, but I uh, just want to throw that out there. Okay. Lastly, we will sort of examine, this is not going to be a comprehensive list. There's some guys that are still available. Um, obviously Marcelo Zuna is the one that everyone's pointing to. He is, I think by far the best bat on the market still, um, you know, Trevor Bauer is still unemployed, but um, as far as the Braves are concerned, Ozuna is the best player that they can sign. There are guys who are better than he is that they could trade for, but the best player available that the Braves could sign realistically is Marcel Ozuna. I have nothing else to say about Marcel. He is good. He should get a lot of money from someone. It could be the Braves. I have nothing else to add. Scott, do you have anything to add yeah. about Marcel Ozuna? You know, the only thing I'll say, and again, we we don't know the DH, which is just nuts, but hey, what is you know, what can you do? Um, I don't think there are a ton of teams bidding for Marcelo Zuna, if that makes sense, right? Like, yeah. like who who could realistically, it seems, I mean, the Mets could probably afford him, although I would imagine all things equal, they would probably rather throw their remaining money at Trevor Bauer. Um, you know, I know the Dodgers were kind of tied to Marcelo Zuna, although they are kind of in the defensive priority mode that the Braves are in, of course, and I, I just don't know he would fit their budget, right? So I, I just... 
I guess the Amer- an American League team that no one expects could swoop in at the last minute. But, I mean, if you look at the American League, nobody is spending money. Like, all the good teams or all the teams that are signing good players right now are in the National League for the most part. Um, so I, I think it's good that it doesn't seem like the Braves are bidding against themselves for Ozuna, which is pretty much what the Phillies just did for JT Real Muto. Um, so that I guess that's kind of where I stand on Ozuna. As you said, we've talked about him every podcast for three months now, and, and we'll see, I, I guess. Let me ask you this, Brad. If you had to bet today, is Marcelo Ozuna with the Braves uh, at the beginning of the year? Oh, man. Uh, I probably would guess that he is, but it's like 52-48. I mean, mm. yeah. honestly, the, this is this is stupid rationale, so I'm, I'm not even sure why I'm saying this, but I, this is actually what I'm thinking in my brain. With every option that is off the market, it makes you feel like Ozuna is the plan. But that's stupid because we don't we don't know that to be true. <laughs> but you know yeah. what I mean. Like every every door that closes, it feels like it should mean that Ozuna is the primary option or at least more of an option for the Braves. And maybe they're just waiting for clarity on the DH or something like that. Or maybe the two sides are close. So we just don't know it. They never leak stuff. But I mean, there are other ways to fill that vacancy. Sure. But the easiest one by far, the clearest one for everyone to see is to just sign Marcelo Zuna. I mean, we, we've known that for a long time, but even more so now. Like, even some of the platoon options, like the cute little, like, cheaper looks like Peterson or whatever, those are now pretty much gone. And it becomes Ozuna. It's not Ozuna. It's not Ozuna or Bus. It's just not. But he is so yeah. clearly the easiest way to fix that hole. Sure. Yeah. Uh, and, it, I mean, he. I looked at a... Um... I think it was Zip's projections for 2021, and he is projected to be like one of the 20 best hitters in the game next year. So it is very obvious why the fit is there, why he seemed to fit in well with the Braves' clubhouse last year. I mean, again, there's a lot to like about him. And even though he had two just kind of average years with the Cardinals, as we well documented, he there was a lot to like about his profile um, even before he had the explosion in 2020 over the shortened year. So yeah. I, I'm with you. I, I'd probably put it a little bit higher, maybe, you know, 60, 40 that he'd be with the Braves, but you know, it is not an inevitable situation where, you know, if, if he isn't back in Atlanta, it would be this gigantic stunner that nobody saw coming. You know, it's going to blow everybody away. If the universal DH happens and he still, and he still doesn't sign in Atlanta, that's, that's, what's hmm. gonna, that's, what's going to send the fan base into a frenzy is yeah. if they get the DH and Ozuna still doesn't come. And then they have these two holes to fill and they don't have Azuna and it's like, what's going on? Um, yeah. To that That's end. A good point. Yeah. yeah. To that end, uh, Nelson Cruz is like the world's foremost DH only player and has mm. been for the last several years. He's still unemployed. Um, John Heyman linked him to the Braves, I believe earlier today as an option, like not like firm, like they're talking, but just as an option for the Braves. Obviously, like, I mean, Ozuna, we discussed ad nauseum that he could be an option not a great one, but an option without the DH. Nelson Cruz is a, is a DH. Like, full stop. He does nothing else. So that's a move that you could quite literally only do if you have the DH. But Nelson mm-hmm. Cruz is also very good. The counterpoint is that he's 40. And yeah. I'm not just saying that. He actually is 40. Like, I might use 40 mm-hmm. as, a, as, as sort of an, uh, an exaggeration of someone's age. Nelson Cruz is 40 years old. So at mm-hmm. some point, he's going to stop being awesome. It may not be now, but uh, he'd be kind of risky just because... It will probably cost some real money. He's DH only, and he's four years old. Well, yeah, I mean, truly DH only. Like, I'm not even sure you could put Nelson Cruz at first base. Yeah, like, he's he a DH. I mean, it's yeah. full stop DH. I mean, he's 
he's an American League only player unless the unless there's a universal DH. Yeah. Like and, and everyone knows it. There's no like nuance here with like Ozuna. It's like all right, maybe you could play him in left a little bit. No, Nelson Cruz is a is an Amer- <laughs> is an American League player unless there's a DH. Yeah, and we'll see. I know he's very well linked into the the Twins in Minnesota where he spent the last couple of years. Um, we'll see if he actually leaves. There was a report that he's in. I think the word was discussions with the Twins, although nothing seemed. Uh, pressing there, but again, you look at his numbers the last five or six years. He has like a, a 150 WRC plus, which is he's so elite. Good. He's so yeah, good. he's a yeah. and again, you're right. I mean, he turns 41 in July, so you do have to worry that at some point you, he just loses it, right? Father time and whatnot. But hey, if if there is a DH and if Minnesota's going to let him go, if they're going to cut costs or whatever it is, um, sure, if they can get him in Atlanta for a reasonable one year deal, then I, I would certainly take the chance. Maybe Father Time does catch up to him, but there's no immediate signs of that, and uh, he would certainly be a nice addition to the middle of the order. Well, you just said the magic words of one-year deal, Scott, so <laughs> we're in on that. It, no, yeah, <laughs> um, cross it off your bingo sheet, right? Exactly. The one-year deal, Alex Anthopoulos. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> another <laughs> option that is still a free agent is Justin Turner, who has been very, very good for the last seven seasons with the Dodgers. Another guy who's quite old, he's 36. Um and certainly not like a great defender, but a solid enough one if you need him to be. But he's available. He by the way, just to underscore what I, what I'm saying, here here are Justin Turner's WRC pluses since 2014. 158, 141, 123, 151, 154, 132 and 140. So Justin Turner has been awesome that entire time. Uh, he's not like a prototypical masher in that he's like more of a 20-ish home run guy, not a 40 guy. But he gets on base like crazy. He's killed the Braves at times. Uh, he was obviously in the scandal with regard to not wearing a mask in the celebration of the World Series. But um, removing that from the equation, he's quite good at baseball and would help the lineup yeah. a lot. I'm not sure if he's even available, but the fact that he's not with the Dodgers yet is a indicator that he could be actually on the market for once. Yeah, I mean, you talk about Jose Ramirez being underrated by by the league as a whole. Justin Turner is an outstanding baseball player. Um, he does have a little bit of an injury history. He always seems to miss a couple of weeks. Um, I don't personally think he's going to leave the Dodgers. The Dodgers have not replaced him. They can afford him. I mean, the Dodgers can afford everybody, but they can. I, I think really what this comes down to is Turner is kind of checking around the league, trying to to get the Dodgers to give him another year or a few more million dollars. But hey, if, if he really is open to leaving LA, I would absolutely take him at third base for the Braves. Um, you said he's a guy who has tormented Atlanta in recent years. He also has a very lengthy history of being just outstanding in the playoffs. And I know you can't necessarily bank on those things because they are small samples and whatnot, but he is a guy who clearly when when the moment is biggest and brightest, he seems just to step up. So, Hey, if, if Justin Turner really wants to leave LA after seven years, I would happily sign up for that. But ultimately I, I don't think he's, he's available, but not really is probably where my thought is on him. Yeah. I'm not sure what's going on there with the Dodgers. Uh, just while we were talking, I pulled this up, but since 2014, that sample size that I, that I just discussed with the Dodgers, he's a top 20 position player in overall Fangraphs war over seven years. And he's 14th in WRC plus for a seven year period. So that's another guy who I think if you told that to a, to a regular average baseball fan, they would think you were wrong, but he is 
really, really good at hitting baseballs. Um, yeah. But he is old. So 36 is not 40, like Nelson Cruz, but there's at least a, a chance that he's sort of on the wrong... I mean, he's definitely on the wrong side to some degree. But we'll see how that all goes. But he's been mashing for quite some time. And um, if the Braves wanted to find a, uh, a deal for Justin Turner to play at third base and maybe slide Austin Rowley to left field for a little bit next season, that's fine with me. Yeah, sign me up. Especially if they, they could get Turner and then a left-handed hitter to pair with Riley in the outfield. I think that's something that would be of widespread appeal to me. Uh, we will see. It's, it's uh, again, I'm, I I would love Justin Turner. I'm not sure he's realistically there, but um, as you said, very underrated and a very good hitter for a long time. Yeah, I mean, other than that, those, those are sort of the big names that are free agents that are available. Obviously, trade stuff is out there as well. Um, a couple of other guys who are free agents that are available, like Jackie Bradley Jr., is a defense first outfielder. That's more of a center fielder that doesn't really fit super well with the Braves. Colton Wong, same thing, second baseman who can really hit, but not like, uh, you know, obviously they have Ozzy and I'm not sure Colton Wong is good enough to be a DH. I mean, you could maybe hit him there and it would be fine, but that's not, that's not probably what you would want to do necessarily. So I don't know. Pitchers. There are some, I think I'd be surprised if the Braves did anything splashy in the starting pitcher market because they've already, because they already have, but they do have room for another reliever or two. We discussed this last week with Eric and I. Like, if they sign another real reliever, I would not be surprised at all. In fact, I think they probably will. And maybe Melanson's that guy. I don't know. Um, any anybody else that you're looking at that strikes your fancy as someone who the Braves hmm. could target? Because, you know, we've kind of talked about everyone on this podcast yeah. almost. But I don't know. Yeah, I'm with you. I think they will add probably one reliever of decent dollar amount. And again, the the going rate really is one year. So I would imagine Mark Melanson's probably a little ahead of Shane Green at this point in time in their front office, but it would seem, um, yeah, it, it would. Yeah. So I, I think if you are, again, I would imagine their priority of course is adding one, if not two hitters, depending on who it is. Um, but there are probably a dozen relievers who are all looking at one year deals for five or six, seven, eight million dollars. Um, maybe they go with the familiarity with Melanson or Green. Maybe they bring in somebody else. Um, but ultimately, I think they will add a, a veteran of some kind to pair with Chris Martin and Will Smith and Matt Sick and Minter and all those guys. It is worth saying out loud, we've sort of referenced it a couple times on this podcast, but if there is a universal DH, the Braves need to sign or acquire, I should say, acquire two more bats. Not one, Yep. two. Uh, if there's not a universal DH, they can get by with one, as long as it's a full-time player in left field or third base. But... uh the task is not uh, it's not over, especially. <laughs> so we will see what they do here. But as Eric and I wrapped up the last podcast with, if the season began today, Scott, Ender Inciarte would be your starting left fielder. Ooh. So. Let's hope not. That would be very, very unfortunate. For, it it, it for, would be. For many reasons, yes. But unless you are uh, prone to like Abraham Almonte, uh, it would be Ender Inciarte mm. in left field. So that won't happen. If there's anything that I believe in, Scott, I'm not I'm not naive. I, I do have my guard up most of the time. I am confident enough to say the Braves will add someone. I'm not sure if it'll be someone that we like or someone a move that we love, but they're gonna sign or acquire someone between now and the start of the season. That's all I got for you. Someone. Yep. Hot, take, I, I agree hot takes with you. on the podcast. I know. Yeah. They they will add someone. And I know this in the last couple of days, of course, you just see it's natural, right? You see Oh, there goes one outfielder. Oh, there goes two. Oh, there's a trade. That would have made sense for the Braves. And, and it's natural to kind of go, man, what what are they waiting on? What What is Anthopolis in the front office? What are they working on? Um, 
But again, I would be stunned if they don't add at least one player of note. And I, I think they have to, right? I mean, he's not dumb. Um, but uh, pretty quickly here, as as the calendar flips to February, there are fewer and fewer and fewer options um, that they got to get moving. Maybe he's waiting on a certain uh, dollar or a year with Ozuna. Maybe he's working on a trade, whatever it is. Um, but again, as, as each option kind of dwindles, you, you do naturally just kind of worry a little bit. So we will see. I choose to take the most naive approach possible and just insist that the Braves are just waiting on the DH final word and mm-hmm. then they're going to do something that could be, that's probably wrong. And I'm, I'm, I'm kind of kidding, but it would explain a lot. That's all I'll say. It would explain sure. quite a bit if the Braves just wanted to be like, all right, we want an official word. Marcel, here's three years, 68 million. And let's do this again. I don't know. Something like that. It wouldn't surprise me. That's all I'll say. Well, and, and maybe this weekend is, you know, something that kind of helps move that a little bit because again, there's, there's what's reported out there in the media with the writers on this, on this proposal and who knows, but of course front offices know far more than you or I or anybody else in the, <laughs> yes, in the do. public. Uh, they, they know, I mean, maybe they don't hundred percent know, but they will certainly have a better read on it than anybody. And I think they have a pretty good idea of what's going to happen. And, um, you know, even again, I, not to continue this even longer, because I think you and I, you and I are in agreement on Ozuna that even if you did have to play him in the outfield a little bit, uh, you can survive by all means, especially with his bat. But um, we'll see. Maybe there's maybe there's a drastic difference in what they what they value him at. Maybe it'll be someone else. There are other options out there, but um, I guess my official prediction as of January 31st, almost February 1st, is that they reunite with Marcel. But we will see. Yeah, maybe maybe they have a standing offer to Ozuna. And they say, all right, Marcel, if we don't have a DH this season, here's our offer. And if we do have a DH this mm. season, here's our offer. And maybe it's like $3 million more if they have a DH. Mm-hmm. Something like sure. that. I mean, I'm, I'm making that up as I go along. But, you know, in practice, Marcel Azuna is still a starting caliber player if he's playing left field every day. But he's a lot less valuable because he's, oh, ne- he's a negative defender. So if you want to say that he's worth, throw out a number, 18 20 million dollars let's just say 20 to be round 20 million dollar player at dh he's worth 16 playing left field which might seem crazy but it's that's true because he's, he's such a bad defender so mm-hmm. maybe that's built in maybe i'm being stupid i don't i have no idea but we'll <laughs> see what happens uh and if something happens our promise to you is that we'll do an emergency podcast as quickly as possible i do enjoy the uh every every time the Braves sign a minor league deal emergency podcast tweets that we get i do enjoy those oh yeah keep them coming i love them too yep they're great um well, we're here for you guys, and hopefully, God willing, there will be some kind of real move to talk about. We don't. <laughs> I, I got a good laugh at like the Carl Edwards Jr. emergency pod tweets. Like those, those were awesome. Listen, if that, uh, if, that, if that had happened in like I don't know early December, we, we might have done the emergency podcast when there was just literally nothing else to talk about. I might have yeah, done that. Yeah. <laughs> but just, 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 just for, just for a gag, be like, all right breaking emergency pod carl Edwards jr and just do like 12 minutes and sign off minor league deal yep (laughs) there you go yeah all right folks well uh please follow scott on the twitter machine scott if you have anything to plug you do so now i saw you writing i i I think you did the the newser for carl edwards is that wasn't that true you wrote something this week i saw i did uh carl edwards i did the trey mancini the i think uh mancini especially happened late like i think it broke at probably 11 o'clock eastern yeah. not even broke but it was, was reported late. 11 eastern so being on the west coast has its advantages so um no i mean as we'll see i mean as you said it this is kind of the normal time where the talking chop team really starts to think about season preview stuff 
And until we really know what's going to happen with spring training, it's it's hard to really do that. So we'll see. And of course, any uh, any breaking news that happens, we will we will have in full. And uh, a big shout out to Chris Willis, as always, who runs Talking Job. He does such a good job making sure there is fresh content every single day, uh, multiple times per day. And uh, we could not do what we do without his without uh, him running the show. So it's it's a hat tip to Chris. And hopefully we have a lot of good stuff coming up here soon. Yep, I would second that. Uh, quite a heavy lift to do all that work on a daily basis. As far as the schedule of this podcast is concerned, it's going to really matter what spring training looks like. So I'm assuming we will find out maybe this week about spring training because they kind of have to decide because players and pitchers, pitchers and catchers report in like two weeks. So that will really dictate things for us in terms of like scheduling. We're going to be here always, but like preview content will start probably on time if, pre- if the spring training stuff actually happens if they don't go to spring training then we're probably going to be stalling for a few weeks and that's okay but uh we will do our, our more formal preview content at some point along the lines in concert with our website content as well but please subscribe to the podcast tell your friends about the show if they enjoy the braves maybe they'll like the podcast if they, don't, if they don't like it that's okay too have them give us a chance uh rate review all that stuff we'll see you all next time